Hi, this is Steve McKinney. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Inside Incorporated. We are trying a new experiment today. We're going to start a, a series of podcasts where we discuss a lot of things associated with school safety, um, part of which is going to be taking the perspective, not only a technical perspective of the tools that are available, but also coming at it from uh, the the actual boots on the ground perspective. And with that, we have um, one of our, our new members of the, of the team, but someone we've worked with for years and years, um, and that's Proncy Robertson. Um, Proncy and I have, uh, have, have decided we're going to try to capture as many of these conversations as possible because what we have found is that there's a lot of information that we deal with on a daily basis that we're not communicating out to our audience as well as we'd like. Uh, we speak around the state. We speak throughout the southeast. We engage with lots of people. But uh, in general, what, what happens is, is those conversations that occur one-on-one with other individuals after the main talk is really where the most valuable information seems to come. And when that happens, of course, there's nobody there to record it. And repeating it and getting it out poses a bit of a problem for us. So we're hoping this medium will effectively allow us to do more of that and and to capture some of these conversations. What we hope to do as well is bring other people into these conversations and and discuss things. So Pronti and I will be presenting all of this information over the course of weeks, months, possibly years. Um, But this is our very first episode, and so it's going to be a bumpy one, to say the least, but uh, that's, that's, that's the intent. So without further ado, I'll kind of introduce myself and what I bring to the table uh, and what my role effectively is. Um, I am a engineer by trade, a technician. Uh, I have spent my whole career working in technology. And what I had the opportunity to do back in 2005 was engage with school safety. Um, it was a new arena for me. I had no understanding of it. But what I was able to do because of my engagement with Alabama Homeland Security and the Department of Education is I learned. And uh, especially over this last couple of years, I've learned a lot. And that's also how it, I was introduced to Pronsi. And so Pronsi um, has, has come on board to help guide us as a, a school safety expert and uh, to guide a lot of the conversations. So without further ado on that as well, I'm going to turn it over to Pronsi, let him introduce himself, talk a little bit about his background and, and where he is coming to these conversations from. Pronsi? Thank you, Steve. Well, again, my name is Pronsi Robertson. And I'm now the uh, Senior School Safety Specialist here at Inside, so I'm very proud to have made that transition. I you know, spent so many years of my uh, life in uh, law enforcement as a professional role and, um, you know, started that out in the early 90s uh, as an officer in um out in the state of Arkansas, actually. But then back in Alabama, as time progressed and went on, you know, I spent a lot of my years, just so you got some understanding of who I am, um, in those tactical roles with the SWAT team and and uh, that from a young officer, um, which moved into narcotics and the investigation side there and looking at all the different tactics and things and applying those together. 
over time that evolved into from my investigative work of making the right, I guess you'd say, connections. I mean, we all just meet people and things kind of uh, evolve as, as it will. And eventually led me to the point where I was working more uh, high level investigations with FBI, which turned you know from the terrorism aspect after 9-11. And that directly related back in the city of Decatur, where I worked at, for us protecting our schools as well and having the, uh, you know, initially it was thoughts of uh, some kind of a major attack, like you think of 9-11 and all. But there's just everyday business of keeping the, the, the school safe. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, that just turned into a, a process and a learning. And there was one individual in particular that I made a lot of connections with is Dwight Satterfield. And Dwight at Decatur City Schools was one of the first people across the state, uh, a system that just really assigned him in the role specifically of school safety coordinator. Yeah. Where the, his job was just to focus on school safety, which uh, a lot of places, as we know, are coming on board with that concept now. And understanding that it can't be as uh, it needs to be more of your main focus, if that's what you're going to do, because it's a lot more complicated than just doing it as a part time position. And so Decatur, in my opinion, was really innovative in the sense of putting him in that role, that being one of his main focuses. Mm-hmm. Or even though he wore other hats, mm-hmm. he really um, just took that on himself. Something he was very interested in and wanted to make sure that the schools are very safe. At the same time, I was coming in as um, from my background with a lot of emergency response planning uh, from EMA type concepts and those type things. And Dwight and I started working together more and more, which eventually led to me becoming in charge of the um, their school resource officer program there in Decatur. At the same time, I was doing a lot of training with uh, from the law enforcement side of teaching them from a tactical standpoint from that SWAT team side about how their tactics should be to um, deal with this problem of active shooter. And so Dwight and I began to work more and more together on ensuring that the safety and security of the, the, the plans, the EOPs, things that the schools were writing, those emergency operations plans, worked with what the law enforcement was being trained to respond. And we found that right off the bat that there's many things that just communication-wise, you know, there there wasn't the partnerships that were built there ahead of time and the understanding between the two. No, Not to be critical of um, from a school administrator side where Dwight was at all, but his job was to administer a school. Exactly. He had no background in emergency response planning Mm -hmm. of any kind, was not as familiar with that, even though they were being required to go to, you know, some instant command, you know, NIMS type training. Mm -hmm. They were just um, it was just a secondary thought a lot of times. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, that that I learned very, very early coming into it because of my exposure to Decatur and others is that you have all these principals and all these uh, administrators that have this new function dumped in their lap. And effectively, in the beginning, it kind of just looks like reporting and compliance. Right. Yeah. But one of the things that is clearly stated in what you need to do for emergency planning is you need to bring a planning committee together. And for most of them, that was a foreign concept, which was one of the things that I saw Decatur do that others weren't 
weren't quite there. Now, we, we've been preaching it for a while, so it's starting to happen more. But so much of that was a disconnect. Right. It, it really was. And so so you have school administrators out there who even if they were assigned to do school safety and to build a plan and to, to think about how to secure their buildings, they were just doing that with the best they could. Yeah. I mean, no more than you or I would in our own personal homes, you Absolutely. know, thinking about, well, how can I make it safer? And mm-hmm. and so some of the things they were doing um, had already been tried and errored, if you will. They just weren't making the connections with the people to, um, to help them uh, doing really a lot of wasted time yeah. and, and frankly, a lot of wasted money mm-hmm. and effort. And, um, you know, one thing we've learned um, from a emergency response side, from law enforcement and fire and so forth for years and years, is there it has to go back to training. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a huge it has to be a huge focus about making sure all the personnel know exactly what's going on, and that is still something that is very important for us to get out in the on the school side of the house. Yeah, because. There, it's one thing to have a plan and have it on paper or in our case, you know, have it in a digital format and the inside platform. But it's a whole other matter for every one of your people and all those who are on your site involved in an emergency incident of some kind uh, to know what's going on. You know, sometimes we think it's only those guys who are in charge or the responders that need to know the plan. But that's not it at all. You have to push it all the way down to the lowest common denominator as best you can. And so it's about it goes back to education and their schools understand that um, they've just got to apply it the same way mm-hmm. to security and safety as they have to any other educational program. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, and, and one of the things, too, that I, I think especially your approach to how you engage with the teachers and the administrators and even the students that I've seen that really brings the understanding to light is when you start to just ask questions. So there's a lot of these teachers and administrators, they do understand what the plan says, right? And I'm doing my air quotes here for says, my radio air quotes, but effectively what it says versus what they understand to do may have some significant disconnections. And so I've watched over and over over these last few years how as you and Dwight and and several other community leaders start to talk to them and engage with them and help them to start asking questions that they just haven't thought of. And, and taking that, that, that plan to really what its intention is beyond what it says. And a lot of times I'll relate to them like, yeah, it's more, it's not just having a written plan, but it's having a, it's changing, it's about changing your culture. It's about it becoming part of a living, breathing document, if you will, something that actually works every day where everyone is conscious about their specific role in protecting that school, it's what we usually are talking about, but any facility really that you're dealing with, it's more than just um, the security guys, okay? Uh, even, and you know, and it applies back to the whole concept 
for many years of law enforcement has been that, um, you know, it used to be, what are the police doing to protect our neighborhood? But it's more than that. It's about what are you doing to protect your neighborhood? Are you willing to get involved in that? Mm-hmm. Recognize when something's out of place and help them to respond properly. And so it's the same way in the school. And so it's, it's being able to push this all the way down to where you don't have teachers saying, what's the superintendent doing to protect our school? What's the board doing to protect our school? What's the administrators doing to protect our school? We want to turn that back towards what are the teachers doing to protect mm-hmm. the school? What are the students doing to protect the school? Absolutely. Well, you can go further. Parents, the community itself, do they understand that every person has a role in the security and the safety of that school, you know, and that leads us off into all sorts of different directions and things when we talk about, um, you know, the new things that are coming along, like threat assessment. Even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge part of this. And I, I think we're going to have some opportunities, you know, as we go down to talk about how that plays together. But it really is about changing that culture. It's one thing, you know, some years ago when um, Department of Education gave us an opportunity to create the uh, Safe Schools t- Task Force brought several entities together there, whether it was um, um, our the administrators around the schools to counselors, to firemen, policemen, and all the different entities that we would need and started putting us all in one room from a private standpoint with mm-hmm. inside yeah. as a company and coming in and looking at what are we each doing? What are our, each of our roles and how do they work together? And, you and I meeting then was really about us pulling all that together. There's so many things that came out of that task force where you get people in the room who have their own little piece of the puzzle. When we put that together, it comes into a very clear picture about what we're trying to do. And it's the same thing now. And that's what we're trying to do uh, in partnering together is to start to start to build that picture out for folks that this is not just about compliance. Mm-hmm. Okay, to say we've got a safety plan because the law says we have to or the Department of Education says we need one, but that it actually is a living, breathing part of our culture every day that actually makes our school safer. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I have to say as well, on that same note, the the task force, the school safety task force for Alabama that we that, that I was fortunate enough to be able to participate in, that brought together for me a huge part of 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 the overarching understanding. Right. What what us as a technical and engineering and, and development entity, what we attempted to do was build a system where you were organizing information, right? So we were looking at it from the context of, okay, how do people understand, you know, where something is? How do they visualize that? How can they, uh, you know, catalog that information and find it quickly and easily? And then we moved into the procedural aspects more of the emergency operation plan itself, where you had that going on. So you're you're taking, um, you know, parts of it that were honestly a little bit legalistic in its structure. Mm-hmm. But uh, but but also having the, the the rich elements of what to do as well in different situations that that helped me to understand how that is supposed to flow 
yes. and, and understand the different perspectives of small systems, large systems, big school, little school, all of the things in between, and what the first responders needed out of it so much better. Now, I wouldn't dare say that we're 100% perfect in there yet by any means, but we that that opportunity to understand and engage uh, helped me to take the the platform so much more you know so much more forward and now bringing you as almost a liaison to that community into the fold has also helped with that so we're we're starting to try to understand what uh, what we can do to eliminate you know some of the barriers for managing that information and now disseminating it back to the people that need it and when they need it exactly you know I th- there is um, just a lot of things that we have going on right now and obviously uh, we're excited about being able to tell you about those but um, just being able to to give folks a better understanding of how those those partnerships need to work, how the the training is really the glue to all that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's until until they you know even sit through some of the classes and things and uh, begin to see that. I don't, you know, I'm uh, just this last week. You know, was down talking to a school system, and there are teachers there that they'll tell you they know there's a plan, they know that it's a good plan. And they've heard pieces and parts of it, but they're concerned about what, again, just drilling it down to them. They're not so sure. Mm-hmm. They've still got questions. Okay, yeah. what do I do in my classroom? And when you can bring it all the way down to that level, they're going to help your plan. Okay, because I, as an emergency planner, and I, I know this from thinking about large scale events, you have you make a plan and you have some concept. You have some, I guess you'd say you're anticipating certain things to happen, mm-hmm. okay? But you, if you're not careful, you make a lot of assumptions that people will, you know, automatically know these things. For instance, we can have an evacuation route. Mm-hmm. The people, this is the best way out of town. And we've studied that. We've talked about the best way to do that. We've even put guys out there for traffic control, you know, to help them get out. But unless the public themselves, unless they have the information that when an incident happens, oh, we'll, we'll provide them that information that day on the radio. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. They have to have a their own practical understanding of what their role is if there's an eva- a large-scale evacuation. Yeah. And a lot of times that's where we, we have the gaps. We don't get it pushed all the way down to that level. And uh, a good example, one of the best examples of what I'm talking about is when Hurricane Katrina happened. There was this large scale plan on paper okay, about how to do things and what should be done if they had this situation. I mean, you know, they're preparing for that 100 year event or yeah. 500 year event. And it's there on paper. But did you educate the people at the street level about how what we're really talking about and how it means that when we give you a five to seven day warning that you need to start packing some things and moving absolutely. and then have a plan to help them move. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course not. And so it was a disaster. You can't just send out a message. By the way, y'all need to get it. They don't believe it mm-hmm. or they, they don't understand why it's true. Yeah. And it's the same exact things when you make an active shooter plan for this school or this building. 
and you expect, well, when, when it happens, people will react. You, you start assuming that they know what to do because you know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so it really is about the communication and the education down to the lowest denominators. We can get it. Yeah. And, it, and that's just going to take some time. So you start with that overarching, make sure we're building the plan and making the connections right. Mm-hmm. Get those middle folks in the sense of the staff and your main workers educated about it. And then we take it down to those who sometimes we think of them as just pawns in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But those pawns have all got to know their role as well. Absolutely. For it to smooth, for it to flow smoothly when something drastic happens. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is all about. It's about building a plan that we can organize it mm-hmm. in our database. It's professionally done. We know it's right. And there's some trial and error in this that people have done over the years that have save a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. You can get right to it. You can make a plan. But those basic outline, you need a warning. You need some information sharing, those communication tools, those choices that the individuals have. Then it goes to, are we educating them? Are we driving it all the way down? And and I think that uh, there's lots of things we're putting together here to try to help help you with that. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And, 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 you know, it is an iterative process and that's something that's important for everyone to understand as you go about these things. Um, there are an awful lot of resources available. There are an awful lot of uh, lessons learned available. There are things that we can do to bypass some of the trial and error, but every site is unique and every school has different situations that they have to account for. So what is also very important is as you build your plan and you introduce your staff to it and ideally all the way out to that lowest common denominator, whatever that may be, that you also take those feedback elements and incorporate them back into the plan. And that's why I tell everybody it's about you plan, you prepare, and then you practice. And then you go right back to plan and you prepare and you practice. And if you go through that cyclic action of incorporating that meaningful on-site information, there's lots of things that occur. Your plan gets better, but also every time you go through it, your, your individuals, your staff, your students, your parents, your everyone learns a little bit more, gets a little more prepared. And, and that can be so critical. The... One thing we spent a lot of time uh, working on, I know when we were at Decatur and then it's evolved into what we're doing, is your, and it alludes to just what you were saying about once you've got a good plan and we've got the education out there is the drills and doing scenario-based drills um, where you get as <clears throat> realistic as possible. What You know, sometimes people lose grasp on this. We're not talking about realistic in the sense of um, – uh, you know, needing to shoot blanks in the buildings or uh, any of those type things. You know, I, I always, uh, the example I use is you don't need to start a fire in a closet anywhere to do a fire drill. Um, we don't need to create true danger, the potential for someone to get harmed in order to drill our procedures and our tactics mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, and a big thing with uh, emergency response is understanding your the timing to get something done because we simulate these things all the time. You know, well, they'll make an announcement and this will happen. And then, oh, well, let's skip that because that takes some time. You've got to actually do it in such a way 
a timeline that you can see what would actually happen. Uh, and just to give you a very simple example, what I'm talking about is we, so many times our drills are artificial from the point of how we initiate them and how we do them. And, you know, if we're just wanting to see if the alarm works in the building, I mean, we can do that whether anybody's here or not. Yeah, yeah. But is everyone actually being notified? And what triggers that alarm? We never think about that. We start from the alarm point. Mm-hmm. Or we're making an announcement, but how a real incident would start yeah. is a, a custodian seeing something that's a threat. Exactly. A teacher realizing or perceiving a threat, yeah. a student perceiving a threat. Now, from that point where they perceive the threat, they see something moving across the parking lot that they believe is a threat. Do they, are we drilling it in such a way that we can find out if they can perceive the threat if they know how to communicate the threat. And then we can activate our process, our plan and our tactics in such a way that it protects everyone. Yes. And that's not always built in. You know, if we're just doing drills where we make an announcement, this is a lockdown. Mm-hmm. And we wait 10 minutes and say the lockdown drill is now over. We don't know if someone could perceive the threat which or understands what we're even talking about, yeah. about when to activate that plan. Sure. We don't know if they can communicate or have the tools, the infrastructure to communicate. A teacher in a classroom who sees something outside of her window that she perceives as a threat, does she have the infrastructure in the building or the knowledge to be able to alert the rest of the building. Even. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just the simplest of things to get to that point. Sure. Um, it's it's not as complicated as it might sound, but it, that's what our drill process is really about also. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to get too much in the weeds that, we can do a whole show on just how to do, Absolutely. just to set up your drills. Yeah. And to do that, for it to work that way, you understand, each individual teacher has to have some knowledge about what he or she should do with that threat. Each individual student needs to know if I perceive a threat, what do I do with it? Do I call the tip line? Mm-hmm. Do I tell a teacher? Yes. And if you do so, what does that person then do with it? You know, we've done many of the exercises, these, you know, tabletop where we do tennis ball type, you know, uh, drills where that first person picks up the ball, what would you do mm-hmm. with that problem? Yeah. And they said, well, I'd call Steve. Well, let's bounce it over to Steve. Now, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Maybe he knows. Maybe he doesn't. I, I know you assume he does. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where that that uh, that very simple, you know, kind of challenge effectively makes people stop and think. And it also exposes your strengths and your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And and so those are several of the things that uh, that that we want to talk about over coming episodes. And uh, you know, it gives you an idea of where we're going. We uh, hope to be able to involve lots of you know other subject matter experts, both on the technical side and both on the execution and planning side. Um, hopefully, get more uh, on the ground stories. To talk about, and I know one of the things in the very near future that we want to talk about is communicating to your staff what authority they have to take uh, action. 
And so with that, uh, we'll kind of wrap up today's session, our, our conversation, uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll have many more conversations about this, dive a little deeper, uh, dissect what the, the options are, the technology that's available, and where it's just simple tools and engagements and conversations that you can have with your team to help bring out where your strengths and weaknesses are and begin to dissect those and keep your students safer. So that's going to sign us off for uh, our initial Bon Voyage uh, episode, season one, episode one. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we hope to see all of you again soon. Thank you for listening to Safe Inside, a production of Inside Incorporated, the school safety platform.